One of the most important activities for us to do is to remember. And the kind of remembering I'm talking about isn't just a any old thing, about remembering any old thing. I'm talking about remembering significant events in our lives. And we already do this in various ways. In fact, that's what we did yesterday. We remembered a significant event in the life of our nation. Other significant events we make a point to remember. Typically, we try to remember our anniversaries. Guys, anybody want me to ask you when your anniversary is? Uh, we, we want to remember when we and, and the, our loved ones were born. Typically, as a nation, we remember significant events in, in history. Milestones in our lives and the lives of our children are things we remember. All in all, we make a point to remember all kinds of things in our lives. Now, some of these we make a point to remember simply because they're the passing of time. One year leads to another, and so happy birthday to you. Um, Others provide opportunities for reflection about life, things where just things changed. Our lives are different now because of this particular event or because of this day. With this, I think about when Lizzie almost died in 2016, in October. You know, that was not a, a planned thing, but every October we remember that. We reflect upon that because that was a significant event in our family. Another area where we should make a point to remember, but often don't, is our spiritual life. I mean, who here could tell, the, could tell me the exact day you were saved? Or who here could? Judy could. Anybody else? Who here could tell the exact day they were baptized? I, I can't. Sadly, I'm among those who, who cannot give you the exact dates on these events. I think if I sat down and put some effort into it, I could come up I know the years that they happen, um, but I think if I put some effort, I could figure out the months that they happen, but I, I could not get the day. I, I wish I had taken the time to write them down so that I could remember them on the days that they occurred and on the anniversary of them and take time to, to reflect on what God has done in me, through me, and for me since the day He saved me, since the time I was baptized. I, I do have some events like that written down in my Bible. Um, at the front of my Bible, this was a Bible I've used for quite a while. And so things that happened in the time frame when I used this Bible, I wrote down. So I've got those things there, but not when I was saved and not when I was baptized. As we talk about moving forward and following Jesus, one of the things we need to do is make a point to remember. Remember how Jesus has led us. Remember why we made the decisions we made to go forward. Remember how God worked in us and through us and for us as we followed Jesus and moved forward. This isn't just my ideas. We're going to see in the passage. This is actually something God wants us to do. So open your Bible to Joshua chapter 4. We're going to kind of be in the whole chapter, but we're just going to read just a few verses. So when you find Joshua 4, I'm going to ask you to stand on the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to jump to verse 21. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall 
Carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to his number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, What mean ye by these stones? Ye shall answer them. The waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. And the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up the twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan. And the Lord spake to Joshua, or as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes, the children of Israel carried them over with them into the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then verse 21. And he spake the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until we were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that they might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. God, we need you to help us to remember. Remembering is something we are not particularly good at. Lord, we, we have short memories so very often. God, we need you to help us. Help us to do what it takes to remember. Help us to do what it takes, Father, to, to remember who you are and what you have done in us and through us. And for us. And today, as we look at this passage about the memorials, you told the children of Israel to build. Let us learn from it. Let us take and build our own memorials. Let us set up, Lord, these rocks of remembrance in our life so that we can look at that and we can say, This is what our God did. This is what my God did in me and through me and for me. Father, let this strengthen our faith. Let this encourage us when we're discouraged. Let this compel us to move forward at all times in our lives. We love you, Lord. We need you. Fill me today with the Holy Spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Take this word. Use it for your glory. Truly, God, do what you know needs to be done in our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Joshua 4, what we just read, is one of the most significant events in the history of the nation of Israel up to this point. Everything in their lives had basically led to this moment. Every person they had ever known longed for one day. The day they would finally enter into the land that was promised to them in the days of Abraham. Now their parents had had the opportunity to cross over. But they they failed at the finish line. They got right to the Jordan River and, and there they balked. They failed to trust and obey and they did not get to enter the promised land. So I can only imagine that this near entrance made the desire even stronger. So for the last 40 years, they had wandered in the wilderness. And their wanderings had no significant purpose, it seemed, except to waste time until everyone died, as God had said. 40 years of meandering. Forty years of movement, but not actually going forward. Finally, the wandering has come to an end. And they're going to go forward and enter the promised land. 
the land they had waited their entire lives to go into. Not only were they going to enter the promised land, but their God was working powerfully on their behalf. He had caused the river bed to dry up, the river to part and the river bed to dry up, so they walked across on dry land. Now this had to cause them to hearken back unto the, the crossing of the Red Sea. Remember, this generation, they would have been children at the time that they left Egypt. As, a, as young children, they remember seeing that. They remember hearing the stories. And now, here they are seeing God do something very similar in their lives. Now, last time, God dried up the Red Sea so they could leave slavery to freedom. But now, now God was drying up the Jordan River. And He's leading them into the land that was promised to them. They must have really rejoiced. They must have thought this was amazing. They really were going to enter the promised land. It wasn't just a story. Their parents and grandparents had told them to pass the time and make them feel better about their slavery. It wasn't just something that was said to them. It was real and they could see it. And now they were marching across. They were entering into this land. But not only were they entering into this land, but God. The God of their fathers, the God of Moses, was now at work doing similar works, showing them His power and His greatness, that He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He would fight for them as they conquered the land. God knew human nature. God knew they would not sustain this level of hope and faith and excitement forever. They knew God knew there were battles to fight. Hard battles, lots of walking, lots of hard things to come. God knew that in in that they would be tempted to lose hearts. God knew human nature has an ebb and flow of excitement about anything within it. The excitement of them crossing the Jordan River would surely at some point give way to doubts, discouragement. Possibly even despair. And in that time they would forget. They would forget who God was to them. And they would forget what God had done for them. So knowing human nature as He did, God had a plan for them to remember. After everyone had crossed the Jordan, Joshua was to choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and send them back into the riverbed while it was still dry. There each man was to find a stone. Now, the text doesn't say this explicitly necessarily, but I believe they were supposed to get the biggest rocks they could carry. I think that's why it says they were to put it upon their shoulders. That tiny little rock you don't pick up and put on your shoulders. You have to lift it up. So I think they went into the riverbed and they had to find the biggest rocks they thought they could carry to hoist them up, put them on their shoulders, and carry them out. Rocks that just a few moments ago were hidden, buried, unreachable, Unviewable, but now because of divine providence and divine power, were accessible, visible. And they were to take these stones to the place where they would camp that night, and they would put them in a pile. And so the twelve men hoisted their heavy stones onto their shoulders from Jordan's floor. They carried them to the place of Gilgal, where they camped that night, and they put them in a pile. Finally, they were in the promised land and they had made a pile of rocks at God's command. A pile of rocks was a sign, an unmistakable marker at the very place God had demonstrated His power 
to overcome any obstacle. They were stones of remembrance. In the days and weeks and even years to come, these stones would stand as a testimony to the great power of Israel's God. They would see these stones and they would remember who God was and what God had done for them. But these stones weren't just for them to remember. They were also a witness. The days would come when people who weren't present on this day would see that pile of rocks and they would say, what's the deal with the great big pile of rocks? And that would give them an opportunity to tell these people about the wonder-working power of their God. They would tell the story to their children and say, trust in the Lord your God. They would tell the story to anyone who asked and they would say, our God, He is God alone. He is God in heaven above and earth below. Fear Him. Human nature has not changed. There is still an ebb and flow to our excitement. There is still an ebb and flow to our hope. There is still an ebb and flow to our faith. And in those times we were given to doubt, discouragement, and maybe even despair, we need a way to remember who God is. And what God has done in us and through us and for us. And so like Israel before us, we must build memorials. Memorials of what God has done in the past help us hope for what God will do in the future. Memorials of what God has done in the past can help us hope for what God will do in the future. So I want to give you four actions to take to build memorials in your life. Memorials of what God has done in you, through you, and for you. So that on those days of doubt and despair and discouragement, they can give you hope for what God will do in the future. Number one is choose to build memorials. In our text, there wasn't a choice. God told them and they must do it. And while I believe in building memorials... I don't think I can say it is commanded to us today as it was to them. However, I do believe building memorials is important. We need to find ways to remember who God is and what God has done in us and through us and for us. You say, well, why do I need to find ways to do that? I think the answer is because we, we tend to forget. Right? We tend to forget God in times of prosperity. We see this in the Bible. In the times when the people of God were the most prosperous was the times when they typically turned away from God the most. Well, we see it if we were to look at Revelation 3. right? We would see the church at Laodicea. What was their problem? They thought they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing, but they were really poor and blind and wretched and miserable and naked. Their, their prosperity. Their prosperity caused them to think they didn't need God. But we even see that in American history. An interesting thing to study is if you were to look at the percentage of money given to the church and to missions in the time of the Great Depression versus the percentage of money given by Christians to the church and to missions today, which era do you think gives the most percentage-wise? It was the Depression era, believe 
Why? Because they had more than we do? Not by any stretch. Because they knew they needed God. They knew if God did not come through, they might not be able to feed their families. They knew if God did not come through, they could die. But we, we have money. And we have nice houses. And we have bank accounts. And so we don't need God as much as they did, at least in our minds sometimes. We tend to forget God in times of prosperity. We tend to forget who God is in times of difficulty. Difficulty is a, is a guaranteed part of life. There is no getting through life without it at times being difficult. And in those times, we may forget how good our God is. We may forget that our God has loved us with an everlasting love and has drawn us. We may forget about the love of God shown to us on the cross as Jesus died for our sins. In our times of difficulty, we may forget who God is. We tend to forget what God has done in times of discouragement. In times where we get discouraged about what's not happening that's good. Or what is happening that's bad. What we can do if we're not careful is we can forget all the things God has already done for us in the past. We forget the prayers He's answered. We forget the deliverances He's given. We forget what He has done back then. And we just sit and feel sorry for ourselves in the present. We tend to forget God's mercy when we fail Him. Times of massive blowing it in sin. If we truly love Jesus, we are truly seeking to be devoted to Him. Sin is devastating to us. It's heart-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. Now, this is just kind of an aside, but if your sin doesn't bother you, truly you should check to see if you really love Jesus, if you truly believe in Jesus. But if you love Jesus, and you want to be devoted to Jesus, your sin bothers you. And in those times where you've blown it, you just feel worthless. You feel unworthy. You feel separated and that He might not ever remember you or might not ever forgive you again. We, in that moment, we forget the greatness of God's mercy toward us. We just tend to forget. And so we need to build memorials to help us remember. Let me, let me show you one of my memorials. I, I think I've, I'm sure I've mentioned it in times past. I don't think I've ever shown it. This is my prayer journal. I bought this November, or November, May 23rd, my birthday, 2002. Three days before I preached my first sermon as the pastor of the Northridge Free Will Baptist Church. And I have this prayer journal broke up into all kinds of different areas. There's the part where I pray for our church specifically. If you've ever gotten those handouts, there's I keep my hand out there. Every day of the week I pray for our church. And here you can see the... These are, the old, these are the rough drafts of what I eventually gave out to the church and made for myself. Then the second part is where I pray for people in the church. And I've got it broke up five days a week. I pray for everybody that attends our church regularly. And so one day, Monday through Friday, I pray for all of you by the end of the week. Then the next part is I pray for lost people. Those who I know, who I'm burdened by, and I pray for them who are lost or uncommitted 
to Jesus, that they would be saved and commit their lives to Him. Then I've got a list of pastors that I pray for um, every Saturday or Sunday. Pastors and missionaries. And then I've got a special needs section where I pray for different things that come up. I'll talk about that in just a second. And then last, I have I pray every day some variation of this for the sermons I'm going to preach. And then these are some things I pray for for myself. And so that's how I, I break it up to make sure I pray all the things I need to pray for. But in, in this section that's got the special needs, what I do when I fill that out is... Um, I didn't do it initially, but I, I started... When did I start that? In 2008, 2003, I started writing down the date. So I write down the date that I started praying this prayer. I write down just a, a sentence summary of what I'm praying for, and then I pray for it. Then, if God answers my prayer, what I do is... And, and I write it down in black ink or pencil or blue ink. And then when God answers the prayer, if God answers the prayer exactly the way I pray it, I put a check mark in red and the date out beside it so that I can remember the date God answered the prayer exactly the way I prayed it. Now looking through this book, through those dates, it reminds me who God is. God hears and answers prayer. It reminds me of what God has done in me, through me, and for me. That He does heard my prayer. Many a times I have sat in deep discouragement. And I have taken out my book. And I have looked through the red dates and the red check marks. Some days I count them. See how many times God has specifically answered my prayers. Sometimes I just look through them and think about the emotions I felt as I prayed them. The emotions I felt when God answered them. But I'd make a point to think about it. To remember. Remember who God is. To remember what God has done in me and through me and for me. And there have been more days of deep discouragement. Have gotten me through by looking through that book than anything else I've ever done. That has been one of the greatest spiritual disciplines. I've ever followed was by writing that. It has been more help than just about anything else to help me remember. And that's why we build memorials, to help us remember who God is, what God has done. Right? It's one thing to know God answers prayer, but it's sure something different to know God answers your prayer. It's one thing to know God loves, but it's something different to know God loves you. It's one thing to know that God saves. It's something different to know that God has saved you. So building memorials helps us to remember those things. Memorials, what God has done in the past, can help us hope for what God will do in the future. So choose to build memorials. Secondly, despise not the small steps. They crossed a river and they built a memorial. And they... It's really a small step of a fairly long journey to taking the promised land. In fact, they haven't actually taken anything yet. All they have done is the very basics. They've just walked in the door. And now God has said, memorialize it. Why? 
Why memorialize such a small thing as just entering the land? I like this verse. It's a great passage. Something to remember as you're trying to go forward following Jesus. It says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. Now shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro the whole earth. What stands out is that God does not despise the day of small things. In rebuilding the temple, all they've done is laid the foundations. Not much. A lot more needs to be done. But God does not despise that day of small beginnings. Why? Because God knows that the small beginnings can lead to big things over time. God rejoices to see the the plummet in His hand, to see Him actively doing the work. You see, God knows that small steps over time can lead to big changes and big things. But what's the, the cliche statement that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step? I mean, that's, that's a true statement. Every forward momentum exercise we take, that, that's something. We're getting, we're not where we ought to be, we're not where we're going to be, but we're moving in the right direction. You see, God not only cares about the big steps, but God cares about the small steps as well. God cares that we're choosing to take the steps He's leading us to take. And there is, I think, another reason for this. And the reason is people. Hear me carefully. People can be the worst. That's just a fact of life. No matter what kind of step you take, no matter how excited about it you are, how faith-filled, how hopeful you are, there is someone in your life who will seek to minimize it. Think about the situation with Joshua here. Can't you just hear people building them? All we did was walk in the land and, and camp out for the night. I mean, we've, we haven't taken anything. We, we haven't accomplished anything. We, we just walked over and now we're eating and we're sleeping. Because again, entering the promised land is a far cry from conquering the promised land. With all the things left undone, with all that lies ahead of them still, Can't you see some people complaining about building a memorial, saying building a memorial to crossing the river is a bit premature? I mean, after all, all all they did was cross the river. And that's no guarantee they can take the land. All they did was cross the river. They could get attacked in the night and lose everything. All they did was cross the river. That's not taking down Jericho's walls. All they did was cross the river. They could still be overwhelmed by the armies of the land. I mean, there are just any number of hypothetical yet plausible situations that could come up and keep them from seeing crossing the river as a victory worth memorializing. And yet Joshua and the company 
chose not to succumb to this sort of negative thinking. Joshua and, of course, God recognized crossing the river was a massive step forward and it was worthy of being memorialized. This is a very important principle for us to get. Because the sad fact is some people will never see any steps forward as being worthy of memorializing because their negativity causes them to see all that's wrong, all that's not right. This could be the person who won't build a memorial to what God has done in them, through them, and for them because they're aware, so hyper-aware that they still struggle with their sinful nature and sometimes lose. This could be the person who won't build a memorial at the salvation of someone because of look at all of the other someones who aren't being saved. This could be someone who won't build memorials over what God is doing in, through, and for the church because they don't like change. And there are any number of ways this could flesh itself out. But regardless of the way it fleshes itself out, there's always one overshadowing attitude. Negativity. Some people are just never happy. It doesn't matter what kind of great things are going on. When you talk to them all they see, all they say, are all the things going wrong, or all the things not going right. Now they may weakly acknowledge some good things going on, but they follow it up with buts. Oh yeah, that's a good, I'm glad you did that. But, it's just, I mean, who says you're going to do it again? But, think how many times you failed before. But, that negativity always comes out. Now, obviously, we don't want to have a sort of Pollyanna Christianity where we look at everything through rose-colored glasses and see all positive where there is no positive. But let's be clear. There is no value in negative Nelly Christianity that looks at the world through Eeyore glasses and only and always sees the negative despite what other good may be going on. If the only time we will build memorials is when everything is perfect and everything is finished, we will never build memorials. For there will always be more to do. No matter how many people we see saved, there will always be more that need Jesus. No matter how many steps you and I take forward following Jesus, there are more steps forward. No matter how hard we fight against our sinful nature and win, it will be back tomorrow to fight again. There's always something wrong. There's always something needing to be dealt with. We must have the ability to say, yes, there are still problems we must deal with. But I'm still going to build a memorial to who God is and what God has done in me, through me, and for me in this moment. Building memorials in no way undermines the seriousness of what's yet to be done. Building a memorial here in no way undermines the significance of the battles that lie ahead. It was just saying, God has done something significant and I'm going to celebrate it. And that's the way we have to be. Building memorials says, I recognize 
who God is in this moment. I recognize what God has done in me and through me and for me in this moment. I am going to remember to remember it. I am going to celebrate it at this time. Memorials of what God has done in the past can help us hope for what God will do in the future. Thirdly, remember to remember. These stones would only have value so long as they remembered to remember. They needed to remember why the stones were there. They needed to remember what the point of placing them there was. Because a pile of rocks, even river rocks, has no real meaning inherently. The meaning is in what they symbolize. The meaning is in what they represented. In the same way the memorials we built have no value if we don't remember why we built them. If we don't remember to remember. And that sounds redundant, but I promise you it is far more difficult than it sounds. I find it at times very difficult to remember to remember. When I feel down, or I feel as though God isn't being as active as I would like Him to be, I can very easily just set and wallow in self-pity. In that moment, I forget to remember. I have a memorial. And it has lots of reminders of who God is and what God has done. But if I don't remember to go look at it, if I don't remember to go see them, if I don't remember to remember this is here and what it means, it's, it's of no value to me in that moment. I have to make myself go and look. I have to make myself go and remember. What I found comfort from in scriptures that I'm not alone in having a problem remembering to remember. Well, quickly turn to Psalm 77. Now keep your finger here, we are coming back. Psalm 77 and verse 7. You can see that the psalmist is in a bad place. Verse 7, will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And notice in verses... Seven to the first part of ten. He's just like, God's not doing anything. I don't understand. It's like He's totally abandoned us. But He's not remembering. But then He remembers to remember. And everything changes. Look at the wording. Verse 11. I, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also on all of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Now, do you, do you catch the transition? Prior to remembering, he's just thinking, is God done with us? 
Has God cast us off? Is, is this the way it's always going to be? Then he remembers to remember. And at first, I will remember the works of the Lord. But notice the shift following that. Surely I will remember thy works of old. Once he remembers the works of God, he begins praising God. I will remember thy works of old. I will meditate on all of thy work and talk of all of thy doing. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. And he just, it changes everything after he remembers to remember. That, that is such a huge issue for us. To remember, to remember. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done in us and through us and for us. Our memorials, they're important. But only if we remember to remember. Memorials of what God has done in the past can help us hope for what God will do in the future. Go ahead and turn back to Joshua 4. And then finally ensure the focus is on God. Look at verses 22 through 24. Or 21. They spake to the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers times to come, saying, What mean these stones? You shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up from before us until we, went, until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty. You might fear the Lord your God forever. In years to come, when people would ask about the pile of rocks, they were to tell them what God had done. Let me ask you, how silly would it be if in years to come, when a child asked his dad, what's the point of that big pile of rocks? He said, son, one day, my friend Caleb, he's just this big brawny dude. And, and he got 11 of his best friends. And, and here were their names. And they went out into the river and they picked up rocks and they carried them and they stacked them there. That's what that is. That is the day Caleb and John and Fred and Tom and Bill picked up rocks and, and carried them here. Man, they were strong. Man, they were awesome. You should have seen Joshua the leader. He said, go pick up those rocks and carry them over there. Woo! What a speech that was. Oh, Joshua was quite a leader. How silly would it have been to make the focus the 12 guys who carried the rocks or Joshua. They're not the focus. God is. We're not even told the names of the 12 guys who carried the rocks. Why? Because they're not the point. God is. When they asked about the rocks, they were to say, on this day, the Lord your God did a great thing. He is awesome. Believe Him. Worship Him. Fear Him. God is always meant to be the focus of our memorials. This is how memorials have value. And it's the same with us. One of the main things God wants from our lives is for us to bring Him glory. And so He works in us and through us and for us. Not to puff us up. 
Not to make others think we are amazing. No, rather, He works in us and through us and for us. So we will say, look at what God has done. God is amazing. Scripture refers to us as earthen vessels. An earthen vessel pictures something that is its a basket that is ordinary. It is regular. It is common. In fact, earthen vessel, according to my understanding, it, it basically pictured a trash can. But not even the fancy trash can that you brought out when the company came. We're talking the very basic trash can that you put in the garage that you don't care how it looks or how it smells. It is just the most ordinary thing possible. And the earthen vessel is us. It, it pictures us as being ordinary. It pictures us as being regular. It pictures us as being common. That's us. That's who we are. We're regular. But God is spectacular. We're ordinary. But God is extraordinary. We're common. But God is exceptional. And God works through ordinary, regular and common people. So all the glory goes to the extraordinary, spectacular, and exceptional God who did the work. God must be the focus of our memorials. If we become the focus of our memorials, then we become idolaters who worship ourselves. And if we tell the story of our memorials in such a way that it makes us the hero, we are inviting others to join in our idolatry by worshiping us as well. And Scripture says, God will not share His glory with another. God will not share His glory with the idols of the nations. And God will not share His glory with you or me as we make idols of ourselves. We must ensure God is the focus of our memorials. And we make these memorials because memorials of what God has done in the past can help us hope for what God has done in the future. So the question is, what are some things God has done in you and through you and for you? How can you memorialize it? It can be a prayer journal like what I have, but it doesn't have to be. We had a guy at Fort Gibson, and, and he was a different cat. I mean, he wasn't like anybody else I've ever met. But he had memorials out in his garage. He built, he actually built things. Sometimes it was just a pile of rocks. Sometimes it was something else. But he built things so he would remember. Other people I've known have word documents where they write things down. And they keep track of it almost like a, a diary sort of thing. Here's what. Somehow, though, you've got to find a way. And you've got to find what works for you. And you've got to start remembering to remember. Because those memorials of what God has done in your past, they can give you hope for what God will do in your future. Because if you're a Christian, there are things God has done in your past. Take note of them. Write them down. Do something to remember them. And then once you remember them, 
keep that. Right? And, and listen, I do believe in, in doing something. And I'll close with this. Don't just remember them up here. Right? Because, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you're, you're not always going to remember up here. One of the, the greatest lives we, lies we tell ourselves is I don't need to write that down, I'll remember it, right? How many times have we thought of something we needed to do and said, oh, I ought to write that down, now I'll remember it, and then it's gone. To say, oh, I remember what God did, I'm going to always remember that up here. And you're not going to be able to access that file in the moment of need. You need to find a way to do something extra. Write it down. Build a memorial. Make a file. Do something. Do something and build a memorial of what God has done in your life so that in the days ahead when they're hard, when they're discouraging, when you're doubting and you're wondering, you can say, I I know, I know on this day what God has done. And don't let the discouragers, don't let the scoffers talk you out of them. Many, Many things on my list that I've prayed for that God has done Somebody would say, well, that's just a coincidence. You prayed for it, and it happened. You know what my response typically is? It's amazing how many coincidences I've experienced since I started praying fervently. Don't let people talk you out of it. You know God did it. You know God spoke. You know God did that in your life. Then just ignore them. Do not let the scoffers keep you from believing. Hold tightly to it. In those days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Lord, we do need you to help us to remember. We need you to help us to see what you've done. To do something. To build memorials to your name. To build memorials for what you have done in us and through us and for us. So that we would remember. Lord, we live in a day of scoffers and unbelievers. We live in a day in which people... Really, Lord, anybody that feels good, there's somebody out there that wants to make them feel bad. Lord, first, help us not to be those people. But secondly, help us not to listen to those people. Let us build memorials unto you for who you are and what you have done in our lives. Let those cause us to remember your greatness, to remember your goodness, to remember who you are to us, what you've done in our lives. Glorify yourself through this, we ask. In the mighty name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.